Hi, my name is Yasmin Tarehi, and this is Gateways to Awakening, where we host one-on-one conversations with leading experts in wellness and spirituality. Today's episode is about the transformative power of Reiki and Kundalini energy. On this episode, we'll be featuring our guest, Ray Chow. Ray's purpose is to create experiences that help people realize they're part of something greater. A leader, facilitator, and healer, she draws on 12 plus years of experience in convening, experience design, and purpose-based innovation with organizations ranging from NASA to Stanford. She's founded The Feast, which brings together a global community of innovators and creatives to support each other in living their fullest lives, purpose and potential with over 600 dinners hosted around the world to date. Above all, she's passionate about helping each person realize the fulfillment of their true heart's desire, thereby creating the kind of world we want to see. All right. So thank you so much for joining us today, Ray. I'm super excited to have you on on the show. Um, And especially since I got a chance to check out the latest and greatest um, healing powers from this week with CAP. So can you tell us in your words, maybe... What is Reiki? Mm-hmm. So Reiki is a form of energy healing that is a transmission-based form of energy healing. So um, as opposed to you know me using the energy from within my body to move the energy within your body, it's really a direct transmission of, of universal energy. And um, it comes through the practitioner um, out their hands and to the person who's receiving the energy. And there are all sorts of um, really wonderful benefits that come from Reiki. Um, If you're receiving a Reiki healing, it can help uh, balance energies in the body, um, help with emotional healing, um, physical um, healing, and, and spiritual healing as well. Um, yeah, the Reiki system um, has th- has those three different levels. So it works on you know, the physical, the emotional, and the spiritual, um, and really brings things uh, into balance and harmony and wholeness. Um, that's align that's in alignment with um, your your real, true, divine self. Beautiful, thank you. And can you talk about what Kundalini energy is, and uh, in particular, CAP? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so CAP is slightly different energy. <laughs> um, Reiki is is very um, calm and gentle and um, healing. Uh, CAP is um, a little bit more uh, enlivening. Um, so the Kundalini energy um, it basically is the life force within you that powers all of your consciousness and awareness. Right, the fact that. You are alive, your heart is beating, that you can process and understand and take in the words that I'm saying right now are all powered by, you know, this core life force within you. And um, a lot of this life force, this kundalini, sits at the base of your spine. Um, It's here um, for you to, in service of your awakening, um, in service of your evolution, your growth, and the expansion of your consciousness and your awareness. And so um, this kundalini, um, often people associate it with different practices, like kundalini yoga is probably the most popular. Some people know about spontaneous kundalini awakening, which um, there's a lot online about um, 
uh, people having challenging experiences with spontaneous awakenings. Um, but what makes CAP unique and, and really powerful and special is that um, it, similar to Reiki, um, but very differently, the similarity is that it's based on transmission. So um, again, I'm not putting any energy in you. Um, there's purely a transmission of energy that's coming down um, from the top of the head, uh, a divine energy that's coming down through the body and awakening this life force that's within you, this kundalini that's within you. And what makes this practice particularly safe is that it's this divine energy that's guiding the kundalini through your whole body and through your whole energy system. So unlike a spontaneous awakening where the kundalini just opens and, and goes anywhere, um, this in this practice of CAP, um, which stands for Kundalini Awakening uh, Process, uh, the energy is uh, reaches down from um, this divine energy reaches down, awakens the kundalini within you, and moves it. This divine energy is guiding it through the body. So it's very safe, though also very powerful, and as you experienced, um, very enlivening. Um, and and really, it's about you know bringing uh, this energy and with this energy awareness, right? Energy and consciousness are connected. This energy and this awareness throughout your entire body. Um, and so in that way, really uh, bringing um, consciousness and awakening into the body and into this physical realm that we live in. Wonderful. Yeah. And I had uh, the pleasure of experiencing CAP this week, which I alluded to earlier, and it was incredible. I I guess the way that I could describe it is that I felt like I wanted to dance. I wanted to move. I felt ec ecstatic, just happy and joyful. Um, and it, yeah, it, it sort of was like uh, drinking caffeine, drinking many cups of coffee for me. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it was an incredible experience. And I'm, I'm curious, you know, how did you come across this practice, uh, cap, in, you know, specifically, and I know that you, uh, you know, you talked about Reiki and you talked about Kundalini energy and you talked about, you know, kind of other healing modalities, but I'm just curious, how did you find cap and, um, you know, walk us through your journey a bit. Yeah. So, um, I started just like any muggle, <laughs> um, started, uh, just, you know, in New York, uh, in, in the realms of, um, you know, social impact and communications and, and, you know, was doing my yoga classes and was introduced to meditation. Um, but leading a pretty like driven life, and um, so driven that I, I think I kind of had some blinders on um, around the more important things in life, um, in particular family um, and, and deep friendships. And um, basically my father, my stepfather, who's, who I'm very close with, ended up um, having a very uh, intense medical situation for which I, you know, which kind of landed me in the hospital with him to take care of him, um, for quite a bit of time. And it was actually there, um, that divine intervention would have a Reiki, <laughs> um, <laughs> practitioner, um, at the hospital who would offer Reiki to, um, uh, the patients and the families and actually trained all of the nurses. They're actually, um, thousands of, um, hospitals all over um, the United States in particular, um, but all around the world who actually train 
um, nurses and staff in Reiki because it, it is actually uh, medically proven to lower blood pressure, um, stress, anxiety, um, heart rate, and things like that. So um, as far as what's measurable, it does it does have an effect. And so um, there are plenty of practitioners all around. So I got to receive Reiki from this practitioner who was working in the hospital. And um, I was there for quite a bit of time. And so eventually, um, you know, I asked him, you know, I think I'd like to learn this. Um, and he said, you know, I, I was thinking about asking you if you'd want to learn. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so... Yeah, so he ended up training me at the hospital, um, which was really powerful experience and really changed my life. It set my life um, on a different trajectory into alignment with um, what I'm really here to do. Um, you know, Reiki aligns uh, the the body and the spirit of the person receiving, so you can only imagine what it does to <laughs> the body and the spirit of the practitioner. Um, if you ever get a chance to, to learn Reiki or be trained in, I highly recommend it because it, it just really brings your whole life into alignment. Um, and so, um, that experience, you know, I started doing Reiki mostly on myself, not even as a practitioner, um, but just for my own self practice. Um, and over time, as I transformed and changed, um, you know, I started, uh, moving, uh, you know, I think anyone who engages with these practices, you start to see your environment change around you, right? So my friendships changed. I ended up moving up to California um, where I was able to deepen my practice even more. And uh, it was in California that um, I was doing Reiki at an event and um, uh, a friend came to uh, well, he's now a friend. Then a stranger came up to me and said, uh, there's a, you know, you seem really great. Like you have a great energy. Um, there's this guy who's coming to New York who does this practice called cap. It's really powerful. Um, I think you'd really like it. And, you know, I had already been on sort of a surrender based exploration and path, um, with the Reiki. And, um, I was like, okay, sure. Um, so who's now my teacher, um, Bennett Wong, came from Bali and he was doing his first U.S. tour um, sharing the work uh, across the country. And I helped him put together um, his his class in Los Angeles where I was living at the time. And, um, you know, even when I first I saw the video, I was kind of was like a little bit skeptical, like, <laughs> I don't know this guy, you know. <laughs> yeah. Um, but as soon as he, he actually came and stayed at my home and the whole night, like my partner and I could not sleep. There was so much energy in the room. <laughs> um, so that was the first thing that raised our eyebrows. And then, you know, we had the class and the experience and it was just so powerful. Um, it was, I don't, I, I think, I don't know that I've ever had such a clear yes in my life that I wanted to learn something. Wow. Um, and so trained with him and was one of the first practitioners in the United States. Now there are practitioners all over the world. And um, we've actually been doing um, virtual sessions, which have been also incredibly powerful. Um, and, you know, I think, you know, to anyone who's listening, I think the interesting thing about both um, modalities is that for me, you know, they're both transmission based. Um, 
you know, as opposed to acupuncture or um, things that are working with, you know, the body's energy systems or or food-based, you know, can even be very healing. Um, this is just a direct transmission. And for some reason, I feel that, you know, these modalities that are about just direct transmission of, of energy and consciousness seem to be the, the, the path that I'm on. Wow. Really incredible journey and also a level of trust uh, to really open up and surrender, right, to this new mm -hmm. philosophy, this new practice. And I, I generally tell people who are skeptics, I just say, well, you know, try it for yourself and, and then come to mm -hmm. a conclusion rather than over-intellectualizing yeah. something. But yeah, it's fascinating journey. Uh, what kind of person usually comes to these sessions? Like how you know, do people come because they have like a health ailment? Is it mostly anxiety? Is it a tune-up? I'm curious, do you have like a general, you know, type of person that comes in or is it, you know, very diverse? Yeah. Um, both and, <laughs> <laughs> um, I think, um, you know, the types of people who come, the, the interesting thing about CAP, I think in particular um, Reiki more so, I think people are looking for a balance of some kind or, um, a healing of, of something that feels stuck or, um, emotional. Um, with CAP, um, it feels like, uh, you know, people who know that there's something more, um, or, or even whose spirits are ready or know that there's something more, I think maybe would be the way to describe the people who find themselves um, in this practice. Um, and also people who are, as you said, ready to surrender, right? Or, or exploring that path of surrender. Um, it is a very body-based practice. And so I think the other thing that... Um, uh, I find in common with the people who come to CAP either have an embodiment practice or um, are open to it or, or have a body that, um, you know, is, is ready to open. Uh, dancers, you know, anyone who loves to dance, I feel like, takes to the practice right away. Um, mm -hmm. it's, it's just the people who, um, who are ready for that, for that openness. Um, and as you said, right, you know, it's, it's, it's not easy um, to surrender, um, but uh, practices like this really um, can can help um, open people up and um, allow for that sense of trust um, in something bigger without the need for, as you said, that dogma, right? Um, I What I love about this practice is that <laughs> you don't really need to believe anything, um, to experience something bigger and to receive the benefit of it. I had somebody who come to a session who actually had some pretty traumatic experience with religious communities. Um, and so was actually, you know, tried sort of shied away from, um, anything spiritual. Um, and, but because, I, there was, there isn't anything about this practice that you need to believe or subscribe to, you know, you just, you have your own experience with it. Um, he was able to really drop into a level of spirituality that he hadn't had access to since he was a very young child. Um, and you know, his experience was his experience and completely, um, unique, 
um, to himself, um, uh, though, you know, lots of parallels to other people's experience, but no need to put any story on it, right? Mm. Um, it allows people to really connect with their with the divine um, on their own terms um, without needing, uh, you know, uh, the dogma of, of, of religion, which I think um, is something that we're seeing uh, across the board is just people connecting with the divine um, directly. Ray, what are some interesting stories uh, from people who have experienced CAP? I know that, you know, you just mentioned this one story, but I'm I'm curious if you could share maybe one or two anecdotes or of people that have transformed or have, you know, experienced something maybe not miraculous, but just uh, newsworthy or <laughs> interesting. Yeah. There have definitely been some miraculous things. <laughs> um Oh man, everything from, so, um, for those listening, you know, I, I like to say that the, the journey can feel really like a journey, right? Um, some people have even, uh, likened it to one friend said that experiencing cap is like, uh, you know, breath work, Reiki, and ayahuasca, like if they all had a baby, <laughs> that is what a cap experience is like. Um, so there's lots of aspects of a sense of journeying. Lots of people get visuals, um, a sense of, um, you know, divine, um, uh, support or ancestors, um, supporting them, uh, a lot of just love, um, and, um, just purity of that love, uh, coming through, um, some of the wilder experiences, I guess, um, you know, I, one, one person who experienced cap and so beautiful, um, you know, he sort of started, as you said, like dancing, standing up and had his hands in the air and was, like praising the divine. And this is something mm-hmm. that people say happens too, is just praise, praise, the sense of praising something, you know, this, this beauty. And so that was just, that's just one example of, um, this, the way that this, the divine is in connection and, and communication and relationship with, with people in this sort of journey space. I mean, there's lots of stories of people from CAP who have, you know, been menopausal and started their moon cycles again, or had healing of scar tissue from breast cancer. Um, you know, the point of cap is not actually the healing. So it's not actually a healing modality. It's a spiritual, um, practice, but in the process of engaging in the spiritual practice, um, we become more connected with a fuller sense of reality and in that fuller sense of reality, in in uh, relinquishing the beliefs that we have that that keep us ill or that keep us, you know, contained in, in a particular perspective, in shedding those, that healing happens. But just the one last thing I'll share is that again, there's a lot of movement in the practice. A lot of, as you say, like this compulsion to dance or to pop into yoga poses to, to do mudras with your hands. Um, I've had people in classes who will spontaneously pop into a backbend, um, and say afterwards, like, I don't do backbends, you know, <laughs> I, can't, <laughs> I physically cannot do a backbend, but 
with the energy of the divine moving through you, it's not about you doing it, right? There's this greater energy moving through when you can surrender to the divine moving through you, um, that, that you can, you can do more than you personally ever could if you're allowing the divine to do it. And that a lot of what the practice of cap is about is allowing for this divine energy to dance through the body. Um, and that's kind of what's happening when, when you're seeing it or when you're experiencing it, it's like the divine trying to dance through this three dimensional physical form. And, you know, that is where, that is where all of the mudras and all of the, the movements from divine dance and all of yoga comes from is the divine moving through the body. Right. Right. And we try to recreate that through mimicking the postures in dance or doing the asanas and the poses to try to open up the gateways for the divine again. But the way that we received that understanding was, is just that when the divine is moving through, this is what surrender looks like. This is what, you know, union looks like. This is what, um, you know, connection or peace looks like when manifest through the body as the divine moving through physical form. Mm. Wow. Very cool. I'm sure that there's going to be a lot of people interested in trying this out <laughs> after that description. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Ray, why do you think that this subject is important? Mm-hmm. Oh, man. Given where we are at in this point in his, in human history on this planet, I'm sure many who are listening can relate to the idea that it's almost like we're experiencing a quickening, right? Mm. Um, a quickening of evolution, of of our own growth, of our own insight and realizations, of change, right? And I I do believe that practices like this are reaching more people because of that quickening and that practices like this are even available because of that quickening. Um, You know, my teacher likes to say that, you know, this kind of transmission of, of this level of consciousness and energy was really only available or possible, you know, by gurus before. Right. Who would, you know, share it with a very few very ardent, committed students, right? Like two or three before they died. So those students could could carry it on. And now, you know, the fact that someone like me can share this with people, I think just the sheer fact that that's possible, I think is a sign of the times. And I think the fact that people are able to receive it and hungry for it and, you know, able to integrate it and see the value in their lives is a sign of the times. And I think that, you know, we are all undergoing the biggest evolution and shift in consciousness I think humanity's really ever seen. And that we that we are welcoming, we are choosing, we are inviting practices like these to support us in that path. And um, so that we can support others in their path, right? Um, so I think I think that's why this practice matters. Um, is that it's it's really elevating the consciousness 
um, of, of so many around the world by virtue of those who receive it and by virtue of all those who are touched by those who receive it. Wow, beautiful. And Ray, you are someone who has worked in a lot of different spaces before, and you've done things like experience design and purpose-based innovation. And I want to talk a little bit about your work on The Feast, which Mm -hmm. Feast for Good is the title, and it still exists today, but it's you can tell me if I'm wrong, but uh, it's essentially like a dinner party for a diverse number of guests. And you have these types mm-hmm. of dinner parties all over the world, but I'll let you tell us about Feast for Good because I'm so curious how the Feast for Good also kind of pushed you forth in this journey or how it's kind of related to your ethos uh, and your philosophy of of who it is to be Ray, really. Thanks for that. Yeah. Um, so the Feast has, uh, has been a huge teacher for me. (laughs) Um, I seem to pick ventures that are deeply, how do I say that I'm living into understanding what they want to be. And I think that the feast is really teaching me about, um, what nourishment really is, um, and what fullness really means. And what it means to really, um, uh, how do I say, devour and, and, and be filled by this human experience. Um, so when I first started the feast, it was really focused on uh, bringing people together to share their skills and their gifts towards uh, making the world a better place, uh, very broadly. And along with my own personal journey, I started to realize that, you know, um, social change, as far as just fixing the problems, wasn't quite enough, uh, wasn't really working. Uh, And so through my own inner practice, I started realizing all of the ways that I was trying to fix or change the outside world because I felt like I had to. And in my own cultivation, I started realizing um, that that, you know, it's cliche, but that change comes from within, right? (laughs) (laughs) Um, The inner mirrors the outer and that if we can um, be more full, be more whole, that the things that we create in the world um, are representative of who and how we are as we create them. And so, the feast now, um, as you mentioned, you know, we we run these very intimate dinners that are really exploring, you know, what is it that we're hungry for, right? What is it that we're we're craving or desiring, and what does fullness and fulfillment really mean? What does it look like? And in acknowledging the hunger, you know, a lot of it mirrors a lot of the cap work because you know cap is really about feeling and experiencing the full range of human experience, right? In a CAP session, you could burst out laughing, or you could cry out of grief, or you could um, dance in ecstatic bliss, um, or you could yell at the top of your lungs and, and, and let go of an experience anger that you've, you've kept bottled up forever, right? And so similarly with the feast and in, in expressing this hunger, we're really connecting with 
you know, these deep desires, these deep emotions that, that often aren't engaged, right, in our day-to-day where we're so focused on what it is that we're doing. And so in that way, you know, we're, we're, we're connecting with, we're feasting on, we're metabolizing, you know, this full range of experience. Um, and, and everything comes up in the dinner, you know, everything from wanting to, um, you know, understand grief and mourning and death because it's happening, you know, in someone's family, um, or, uh, you know, being in joy for finding out that, you know, um, someone's, uh, you know, having a baby, um, for the first time. Um, and so there's this broad spectrum of, of life experience at the table, um, that we get to share, um, in community and to receive that very powerful, um, witnessing, uh, by, you know, other people who, who are, are bringing that care and sharing in this, um, this wide spectrum of life, um, you know, all of these ups and downs and it's in, you know, supporting each other in our fullness and in our fulfillment, you know, I believe, you know, the parallel to my own journey is, you know, feeling, um, feeling like I had to do everything myself. Um, and feeling uh, a real hunger and a desire for community. And what I've seen from, you know, gathering in this way and being in community with each other in this way is a real nourishment that comes from, you know, not just being supported and realizing my own fulfillment um, and supported by others, but then also getting to revel in and, and be in the joy of the fulfillment of others around me, um, because I've also been a part of supporting them in their journey. So I get the double, you know, fulfillment, <laughs> if you will, um, which just creates a sense of abundance and possibility and, um, and, and love. Um, so that's really yeah. what the feast is about. Wow. Beautiful. I think, you know, the idea of building an intentional intentional community and also focusing on what nourishes us, what fulfills us feels um, so important, especially right now when I think a lot of people are so disconnected that they're trying to fill the void or the fill the hole mm-hmm. with, with everything from, you know, drugs and uh, relationship, uh, overwork, you name it. I think we all have this, this thing that we want to fill the void with. So, wow. I think it's amazing that you've created this platform, this space for people to plug in and, and even just ask the question, you know, what is, Mm -hmm. how full are you and, and what would it take to become full? I think that, Mm -hmm. that, that question in itself, I feel like should be asked every single day. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Wow. Um, so Ray, what books or resources do you recommend our audience to read or check out? Or maybe it's just a, a public figure or philosophies that have really made an impression on you on your journey. Hmm. So um, there are three people who um, come to mind who are really great um, resources, I think. Um, Ram Dass, of course. <laughs> um his mantras and his way of bringing language to the practice, um, 
I just found super powerful, as is um, Adya Shanti, mm-hmm. um, who does just, you know, prolific um, works and talks um, that are just really insightful. Um, another lesser known person is um, Amodama, um, who is uh, a woman um, who is realized. Um, who has written several books, uh, and I really appreciate her uh, very embodied um, understanding of of awakening uh, that I think um, resonates uh, with the cap kind of um, framework and understanding as well. Um, and then, as far as just spiritual teachers, I mean, Ama and anything that she's written um, is really, really powerful. She's also uh, a transmission-based being who feeds people. So um, I'm a, I feel a lot of affinity <laughs> towards her, <laughs> um, but also just, just really powerful, um, powerful uh, being doing a lot of, bringing a lot of light to the world. Wow. And what do you want to tell our listeners about their health and wellness and well-being what's sort of your main takeaway if you could tell Mm. the audience anything i would say care for yourself as if you were a child Mm. we're so hard on ourselves um knowingly or unknowingly and so many of our challenges and our ways of being come from the subconscious, come from um, these parts of us that were often developed when we were very young and that were developed because, um, you know, when we were two or four or six, we were just trying, or even a baby, Um, We're just trying to make sense of the world and that we're developed as a way of um, receiving love from our parents um, or love from others, which is, which really means when you're a child, receiving love from your parents means equals survival, right? Um, Love from your parents, without that you die. And so, a lot of the beliefs that we develop are inherently existential. And, you know, there's so many ways of being from so many experiences in our life, most of which we don't even remember, but that informed who we are and this way of being um, that, that we can be so hard on, right? That we can say, you know, I wish I could just, you know, just move forward or just get over this or whatever it is, right? Um, without realizing that there's, you know, that part of us that won't let it, won't let it go, that won't let us relax, that, you know, that is anxious, is just a part of us that is trying to take care of us, is trying to help us survive and get through the world the only way that it knows how. And so just as you're on your journey of, you know, um, growth or wellness. One of the biggest things for me has just been compassion um, for these parts of me 
that I feel like, you know, all the parts of you that you might feel otherwise feel frustrated about um, or angry or aggravated at, just imagine them as a child, mm. um, like a smaller part of you um, that is just trying to do its best. And finding that self-compassion and, and being with that part of you and feeling feeling what that part of you has to feel and what that part of you is trying to tell you is such a powerful way of, um, of, of unlocking healing and growth and wellness in a way that is compassionate and, um, and in its own time. Yeah. So treating yourself as a child or looking at the parts that, you don't necessarily are not happy with or might cause you some frustration and treat, treating them like a child. So maybe doing some, it's called like inner child work or mm-hmm. just being mm-hmm. really gentle with those, those parts of ourselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's really powerful. <sighs> yeah. Compassion and care. Uh, and Ray, where can people find you? Where can they learn more about CAP if they want to book an appointment? Uh, obviously now everything is online. So yeah, they can find me, um, at my website. Um, this is com, and that is the same name for my Instagram as well. This is com. So those are probably the two best ways to find me and I'd be happy to connect, answer any questions. Um, I am also, uh, doing private and public sessions, um, and happy to support anyone who feels called. Amazing. Thank you so much, Ray. And I highly encourage you guys to check Ray out and cap out because it was an incredible session. Um, and I just, you know, I can definitely sense a difference. So I'm curious what other people's experiences would be. And uh, yeah, so check out Ray. And thank you so much for your time, Ray, for sharing your knowledge with us, for taking us on your journey, uh, talking about who you are and, and, you know, feast for good as well as cap. Thank you for sharing your knowledge about wellness and health and well-being. We're super grateful. Mm, Thank you so much for having me. Super grateful to be able to share all this. Oh, thank you. And for our audience, thanks for joining and for listening. In this episode, we learned about the transformative power of Reiki, Kundalini energy, and CAP. And you can tune in to Gateways to Awakening, where we host one-on-one conversations with leading experts in wellness and spirituality. Thank you.